Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. I hope you're having a great day. We're going to dig just for a little bit in 1 Samuel 13 and 14. Notice just a couple of things about escaping with boldness. That's our new study for this month, month 7, Escaping with Boldness. And we find Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and his son Jonathan. And they don't have very many people. Saul had 3,000 men of Israel and he gave, he 2,000 were with him in Michmash and in Mount Bethel, and a thousand were with his son Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin, and the rest of the people he had sent home to their tents. So they only have 3,000 men split between Saul and Jonathan, and Saul went up and smote the garrison of the Philistines, verse 3, that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard of it, and Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. And so all Israel heard Saul saying that they had smitten a garrison of the Philistines and that Israel was not in good shape with the Philistines. The Philistines were pretty mad at them. And so the people were called together after Saul to Gilgal. So the verse I want to notice first is verse 5. The Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel. Now think about it. Think about the lack of men really that we have already noticed having been ready for war with Saul and Jonathan but the Philistines gathered themselves together to fight with Israel 30,000 chariots 6,000 horsemen and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude so we've got a big lot of Philistines here and they are armed and when you read about uh, verse go down to about verse 19 there was no smith that's a silversmith or a um, metal smith there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel for the Philistines said lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears but all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share and his coulter and his axe and his mattock yet they had a file for the mattocks and for the coulters and for the forks and for the axes and to sharpen the goads. So it came to pass in the day of battle, listen to this, there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan, but only with Saul and with Jonathan his son, was there a sword found. So we have a group of Israelites here, lots of, well, in fact, all, all of the Israelites that were fighting men, but none of them were armed with a sword. There was no sword in their hands. And because they had been dependent on the Philistines to sharpen swords. So there was nobody was armed except for Saul and Jonathan, the leaders of the Israelite army. All right, that brings us to chapter 14. Well, we should notice in chapter 13 that Saul was already, his kingdom was already taken away in chapter 13, really. When we speak about the future, uh, Samuel did not come within the seven days, specified days that uh, Saul was looking for him to come in. And so he, the, the priest, remember Samuel was the priest, and he didn't show up. And so Saul was afraid of these Philistines, and so he went ahead and offered the burnt offering himself. And of course, that was a violation 
And so Samuel said in verse 13, Saul, you've done foolishly. You haven't kept the commandment of the Lord your God. For now would the Lord have established your kingdom upon Israel forever. But now your kingdom will not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be captain over his people, because you have not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So we're going to find soon David being anointed to be the next king. And right here, you know, our, our man of the hour that we're going to talk about is Jonathan. And right here is where Jonathan's kingdom he could have been the next king, but right here is where his kingdom was taken from him. Saul and Jonathan, then his son, were up against the Philistines. Saul had sinned in offering the burnt offering before the priests got there. And so now Jonathan already knows that the kingdom's going to be taken away from his father's house. Now chapter 14 begins. It came to pass on a day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let's go over to the Philistines' garrison that's on the other side. But he didn't tell his father. So we have Jonathan and his armor bearer that are about to sneak away and go to the Philistines' garrison. And we read in verse 4 that there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And apparently these rocks were facing, one was facing north and one was facing south. And so it looks like here that two people, Jonathan and his armor bearer, were about to go up against a crowd of Philistines. And it looks like that they were going to be going a treacherous, they were trying to sneak up on them, so they were going to go a treacherous way. It looks to me like they were about to do some rock climbing here. So you have two people rock climbing against a whole garrison of Philistines, and they're doing it secretly. There's no backup plan. They don't have an army waiting to come and rescue them. So that's pretty brave of them to go. I want us to notice the armor bearer. Every single time that Jonathan says, let's do this, and I know he was under the command of Jonathan, but this armor bearer was pretty, pretty brave. Every single time that Jonathan said, let's do this, and it sounded like a ridiculously difficult thing to do, the armor bearer said, whatever you say. So, so we have Jonathan saying to the young man, in verse 6, Come, let's go over into the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. So this armor bearer put his trust in Jonathan, I want us to notice that because we're going to notice a New Testament passage in a few minutes that kind of uh, speaks to this. So, two people rock climbing against a garrison in secret with no backup. But in verse 6, we have the key. Come, let us go over to the garrison of the uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Uncircumcised 
as opposed to those who are the circumcised. Jonathan and his armor bearer were in a covenant relationship with God and the sign of that covenant was circumcision. So let's go over to this camp of people who are not in a covenant with God because it may be that the Lord will work for the covenanted. God works for people who are in covenant with him and he works without restraint. There's no restraint to the Lord. Love it that Jonathan said that. We're not working with somebody who is restricted by time or space. We're not working with someone who's restricted by whether or not people have swords. We're not working with someone who's restricted by whether or not people are going to have to climb up rocks and be tired when they get to the top. We're not working with someone who's restricted by the fact that there are only two people against a whole garrison. There is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. So the difference here is that we have some people who are in a covenant with an unrestricted God. Did Jonathan have restrictions as a man? Oh yes. Do you and I have restrictions as human beings? Oh yes. But we are in a covenant. If we've been baptized into Christ, we are in a covenant with an unrestricted God. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 19 and verse 26 he had said some pretty hard teachings beginning with Matthew 19 9 his teaching on divorce and remarriage and they said well if this is the way it is maybe we shouldn't marry at all and then he goes on and he's teaching in Matthew 19 about riches and about how hard it is for a rich person to go to heaven and in Matthew 19 verse 26 let me get turned over there his disciples heard it, and they were exceedingly amazed in verse 25, saying, Who then can be saved? He said that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they said, Well, then who, who then can be saved? And in verse 26, Jesus said to them, With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. When we are in a covenant with an unrestricted God... There really is, you know, sometimes we as human beings say in our English language, the sky is the limit. The sky is not the limit for Christians. We are in a covenant with an unrestricted God who has no limitations. Then I wanted us to notice one more passage that emphasizes this over in Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. And let's look at verses 5 and 6. Let your communication or conversation be without covetousness. Let your behavior be without covetousness. Be ye free from the love of money, the American Standard Version says. It's interesting. We're talking about money again, just as Jesus was talking about in our last passage, Matthew 19. And then he says, Be content with such things as you have, for God has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee so that we may, here's our word for the month, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper and so I will not fear what man shall do unto me. 
Now that's an interesting passage. When I think about the context of the passage, I, as I was studying over this today, was just sort of amazed at the three references in the passage to the leadership within the body of Christ, within our congregations. In verse 7, immediately following what we just read, it says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow or imitate, considering the end of their conversation, the issue of their life, according to the American standard. So what we're supposed to be doing here, it says, is looking at the faithfulness of those who have been given the charge to lead us in the church and remember what they have spoken unto us as the word of god and trust in them that that passage about the elders in the church immediately follows the lord is my helper and i will not fear what men shall do to me so we have leaders so remember them and remember that they are leading us in the paths of jesus christ in the very next verse says jesus christ the same yesterday and today and forever now notice verse 17 obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for their watching for your souls as they that must give account that they might do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable for you another reference in this same chapter to obeying those leaders trusting those leaders in our local congregations and that's how we show our trust for god verse uh, and he closes the chapter in fact he is closing really the entire book here and in one of the last statements of the book he says in verse 24 salute all of those who have the rule over you and all the saints and those of Italy salute you three distinct times in this passage he talks about the rulers in a passage where he has strongly said the Lord is our helper what shall men do unto us I he says we've been told that we will never be forsaken God will never leave us or forsake us and the Lord is our helper and we will not fear what man shall do unto us so trust in those trust in those that God has put in charge of you this really drew me back to think about that armor bearer again you know he was a man of the circumcision the armor bearer himself was in a covenant relationship with God just as we are in a covenant relationship with God today. That armor bearer, though, was looking to Jonathan for leadership. He was looking to the one who had the sword. He was looking, he, in fact, he was carrying the armor of the one who had the sword. He was trusting the one who was walking before him and making decisions with regard to the Philistines. We are sort of like that armor bearer in Hebrews chapter 13 here. God says we shouldn't be afraid. The Lord is our helper and we will not fear what man shall do. Because God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But remember those 
who have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Now there's the sword of the Spirit. Remember the sword of the Spirit is the word. And we have people to follow today who are armed with the word of God. Now I know that it's not an exact parallel because we have access to the word of God ourselves and Jonathan's armor bearer, you know, and the rest of the people were not armed. But here, I'm sure that Jonathan's armor bearer, since he was carrying the armor, he was sharing the sword of Jonathan. And I know that we as Christians today have access to the word of God. So we do have our own swords. But we also have leaders who are versed. That is one of the qualifications of the elders, of course, is that they are to be men of the word. They're supposed to be able to feed the flock. They're supposed to be able to have wisdom and discernment because of their knowledge of the word of God. And that's really evident in all of the characteristics of elders. Those are fruits that come when men are seasoned students of the Word of God and teachers of the Word of God. They're supposed to be able to teach the Word. So here we have bearers of the sword. I know I'm speaking figuratively, but we have bearers of the sword in our congregations who are ruling over us, who have spoken unto us, the word of God and their faith we are to follow considering the end of the issues of their life American Standard Version says so I I thought that was very interesting that in that chapter where we are told to be bold at the same time we are to follow those men of God who have been given charge of our souls in our congregations it goes on to say they will give an account for your souls um that's verse 17 obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that's unprofitable for you Follow those sword bearers in your congregation, those people who have been given charge because of their knowledge and application of the Word of God and trust them. And in so doing, you are trusting God, the one who will never leave you nor forsake you. You remember that Jonathan and his armor bearer went over those rocks and turned that garrison to flight where they began to even uh, turn on themselves and you'll remember that later on because of what Jonathan and his armor bearer did that Saul and his armies were able to go up against those Philistines and soundly defeat them. Hope you're having a great study. Hope you're having a good week. If you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night. Dig a Bit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.